This is Film Club. What a great day for parking lots. Don't forget, we're the ones with the ponytails here. And what's the difference between our podcast and all the rest? Linguistic competence and polychromatic cave paintings. Welcome everyone as we break down Curious George, our November film club pick. I love that intro so much. (laughs) (laughs) So Lauren, you selected this film, so it's my turn to guess the connection. Of course, can I actually get to know Soratu? Let me tell you. When I started watching Curious George, I was like, this connection will be so forced. And the more I watched it, the more I was like, oh, 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 there's so many connections. So I'll tell you mine, then we can talk about the listeners, and then you can tell us what you were thinking about. So a younger man sent to a foreign country by an older man. Connection one. Traveling on a ship. Connection two. Connection three. Non-human stranger brought to a new place and turns the world upside down. Number four, superhuman skills. Obviously Nosferatu and the doorman's amazing ability to smell animals. Oh my gosh. Number five, a literal rat on the ship. I was like, oh my gosh. And then number six was, this is a quote, light on your feet for a big guy, which is the doorman and also knock. So. (laughs) Knock so strong. Those are my six connections. Uh, Listener connections were traveling by ship. Or Curious George being adorable and Rachel thinks Nosferatu is adorable. True. (laughs) Parentheses, adorable creature from a foreign land wrecks havoc. Another one, Nosferatu and George are both brilliant artists and muses and no one understands them. They both travel travel by ship to a new land and life. And the last one is, they take a boat to get to their destination and Nosferatu and George both have unnaturally long fingers. (laughs) (laughs) The one I was thinking of to connect it was the ship how he, they both traveled by ship to a new land excellent but, excellent yeah it's the same plot essentially <laughs> <laughs> i was well, this is very revealing of how i spend my time but i finished dracula today update since i talked about it so much on the nosferatu podcast Woo-hoo. but i immediately went and tried to see which film adaptation was the most closest Faithful. to the book yeah there was this guy who I want to be best friends with. He, like, had 12 contenders and, like, went through each plot point and, like, would award them points. Nosferatu got 16 points. And I think there's, like, a BBC version from the 70s and the one by Francis Ford Coppola ranked the highest. So. There's 12 versions? Oh, there's so many versions of Dracula. Those are just the ones that were, like, not sequels or spinoffs and, like, seem to be most faithful to the plot from wow. all of the versions. <laughs> Dracula's a very... So popular. <laughs> but now we have to add Curious George to this list of <laughs> another adaptation of yes. Dracula. <laughs> I think my mom also thought of the teeth like Ginsu knives. Oh my gosh. Nosferatu has teeth. The pointiest teeth. All right, go ahead and tell us your notes. Uh, this is the most notes I've written for any of our oh my gosh. And maybe it's because I was trying to justify like why i love it so much even though it's so not acclaimed Mm -hmm. and it didn't win any awards i don't think maybe some weird award but (laughs) it's like not rated very highly on letterboxd or on i think it's fine on rotten tomatoes it's a fine score one nomination nominated for best original song for the satellite award good on you jack it does say according to the wikipedia it says the soundtrack to the film in its first week was on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. 
the soundtrack made it to the number one spot, making it Jack Johnson's first number one album. Oh. Um, and then it was the first soundtrack to reach number one since 2003. The first soundtrack to an animated film to top the Billboard 200 since the Pocahontas soundtrack. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Wait, I, this whole time, I'm just realizing... Upside Down came out with Curious George. I thought that was just like an original song that they put like, you know how movies will have a soundtrack compiled of different. Right. No, he wrote it for Curious George. Oh my gosh, my mind is. <laughs> he wrote all these songs for Curious George. Wow, also, I think Hans curious. Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is, he was in the credits. Oh my gosh. And I think there is one one score that sounds very Hans Zimmer that goes like, when they reveal the title goes like dun 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 it just sounds super Hans Zimmer <laughs> so I think he was also involved we're gonna get flagged for copyright for that performance right <laughs> sounded exactly like it <laughs> so some of my notes this is a New York movie we should have watched it before we went to New York oh my gosh <laughs> and recreated um I'm obsessed with the soundtrack I we my mom bought a few of the songs when it came out and i've just had them on my phone ever since 2000 whatever whenever this came out 2006 because i just looked up upside down i really am i don't know that i'll ever get over that fact because (laughs) upside down is so famous like that is the song Mm -hmm. i associate with jack johnson wow 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 yeah this this score i mean the album was super popular um i just love the way I think you also mentioned on Letterboxd the lighting and like the way the color reflects off of George's eyes and off of the reflections in the water. Don't worry, I will be talking ad nauseum about the lighting, so oh, stay good. tuned. And in the jungle, the way the lighting like filters through the trees is just so beautiful. This some of these quotes are just like I I use them on a daily basis. My favorite. Oh, and the cast. I didn't talk about the cast yet. Will Ferrell, Drew Barrymore, Dick Van Dyke. Um, I forgot his name, but he's Tobias in Arrested Development. He's also in um, She's the Man. He's in Megamind. Kung Fu Panda. He's like one of my favorite voice actors. He's so funny. That's Junior, the ponytail guy. Um, Dick Van Dyke's character is just so cool with his little ponytail and my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, I am really, really old. <laughs> I say that to myself a lot. <laughs> Ted is just so relatable. He's just like, everything's going wrong with him. And he's just kind of like sarcastically going along with it. Um, When he like says, I guess I could go. Like holds his, claps his mouth, his hand over his mouth. Like, I hope nobody heard that. I feel that as well. That is you in every Maybe. social situation. Like, oh. Um, and the glow in the dark star stickers on his bathroom ceiling. Oh. The movie appeals to every part of my nature to take an animal that I perceive as like lonely and sad and love it and be its mommy and take care of it. <laughs> Even though you're not supposed to take things out of the wild, it's just like it satisfies all of the wishes that I had as a child to yes have a wild animal well and also it's not like I feel like in the books he maybe takes George but in the move this movie George George voluntarily goes yeah which makes a difference um I love the way it's like self-aware 
like it doesn't take itself seriously like he answers his phone in the jungle and he's like wow strong signal like it just <laughs> makes fun of itself the whole time it's also a movie that makes me deeply sad like when when all of the jungle mommies are mean to George and don't let him play with the other babies I get so sad oh. and then when the worst part is when they pry George off of um Ted's leg and <laughs> take him to jail I like I tear up every time <laughs> I have cried um and I also get so stressed um when everything is going wrong I usually do not like this kind of humor like what about Bob or planes trains and automobiles where the main character is just like in chaos and someone is just ruining their life and it's like supposed to be funny but I'm like so annoyed at it all but for some reason it works for me in this um it is problematic that he's stealing an artifact and bringing it to his own museum but that we can talk about it and talk about how historically they've done that and they need to fix that oh when the dinosaur bones when george breaks the dinosaur bones i just feel sick inside like that's <gasps> one of the things i'm like no <laughs> i love the emotional response it evokes in you oh my i it's so emotional for me and maybe it's because I just love George so much. It's obviously, the movie was made for children, but the humor is so geared towards adults, mm-hmm. probably because of Will Ferrell in there, but, and I'm sure he improved a lot, but he's just hilarious. The chaotic energy that he brings to the man in the yellow hat. I just love that. Oh, I didn't talk about the fireflies. That's also the lighting part, how they glow and then... Oh my gosh, it's just amazing. I have too many things to talk about. That's fine, say them all. This could be just as long as the Nosferatu episode. (laughs) I love, one of my favorite parts is when he falls in the penguin (laughs) place, and then they just push him into the water. Like, (laughs) man, he's going to the ice. (laughs) Sparky, the, uh, the little dank CGI dog. He makes the Rudolph noise. I love that. When his little lip nose lights up. Yes, I'm so glad you noticed that. <laughs> and yeah, this is another one of those animated films that includes some 3D elements that we love. We love the dankness of that. Yes, I live for these films. Bring them back. My other favorite part is when Ted saved George... After they've been in the balloons and George is falling and he grabs his hand. Um, and then George holds on to him so tightly and Ted just has this like look on his face that he just loves George and oh. they love each other and they need each other. And there's the colors of the balloons and they're just flying over New York and it's so whimsical and beautiful. And it's playing the soundtrack in the background. It's just so beautiful. And then I also love, I always quote, that's close enough when he hands in the wrong color balloon. Mm-hmm. I think my second favorite character is Edu, his safari guide. This oh my just gosh. always like rolling his eyes. Like he's the best. Eyes. I also really appreciated that they didn't make him like a, stereotypical. Yes, like unintelligent backwards tribesman. Like he was much more intelligent with it than Ted was. So he was so funny. I liked that twist on your standard white men coming into Africa narrative. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I just love that George helps Ted with the things that he's never done before that he's studied, but not necessarily experienced. Um, like when he sees the real stars versus just the stars on his um ceiling, the star stickers. And then flying over the city, I think he said something like, wow, I've never seen a city like this before. And just like George is opening his eyes and helping him see the world like a child. And, and they have, oh, that was one of the lessons that I read somewhere that children see the world differently and have much to teach the people who love them. Oh, um, but I think I wanted to pick this because I think it is so underrated that it's not a film person movie necessarily, but may I argue that it is a perfect children's film? You not may. <laughs> there are. It's beautiful. And is it DreamWorks? Who is the production company on this? I think so. Okay. Oh, and I guess I didn't mention, like, I've been reading Curious George books since I was a baby. Like, my mom has all the books in our little bookcase and my mom talked about it in her review but we would watch the old like stop motion curious george uh shorts that were so dank <laughs> they're so amazing <laughs> and i think we went and saw this one in the theater just because we love george so much it universal pictures is their last it was their last theatrically released traditionally animated movie Ah, okay. And their first fully animated movie since Balto. Oh, what a powerhouse. Yes, just to add on to what you said, really enjoyed the early morning light and the animation of the jungle. Like, that just struck me from the get-go. And then throughout the whole film, I was like, mm, I could eat this light, it's so beautiful. And I like how George isn't just a nuisance, like... I feel like it would have been really easy to just make George be annoying to everybody in the jungle, but, like, the other animal children love him and, like, love to play with him, so I appreciated that. I wrote, obsessed with the lighting at sunset, too. <laughs> it has a very nice transition to actual jungle, or from actual jungle to urban jungle. I do enjoy Will Ferrell's, um, Will Ferrell's performance, but I must say I do miss the man with the yellow hats voice from the PBS. Oh, but series. he's so boring. <laughs> no, I love him. Oh, he's the best. Especially when you know he's also the villain in the Goofy movie sequel. Oh my gosh. But Man with the Yellow Hat is always hot. Add him to my list of animated characters I would date. <laughs> I always get so excited when Dick Van Dyke speaks. Um but yeah. Man with the yellow hat Oh, Ted, I guess, is his name. Because he's not always the man with the yellow hat. But as soon as he puts on that yellow outfit, he is so sexy. Ooh! Love him. <laughs> Said it. Not before? It. I just mean, like, the yellow really adds to the whole... Oh, wow. George is so stinking adorable. Like, he's so cute. I love him. Oh, there's some dull product placement. Did you see that on the ship? Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> Oh, when he's sleeping with the hat in the cargo hold. Oh, it's so cute. I love that. He's mm, so cute. I did write Jack Johnson songs really compliment the action nicely, not knowing they were written for that express purpose. Oh, so <laughs> shook. Um, I did write that it was a better integration of 2D and 3D elements than the 90s film. So it, even though there is still some clunkiness to it, it's nice to see how in the span of a decade, things have 
progressed, so it's not quite so awkward. I also really miss Hundley and the doorman from the PBS oh, series. Oh, I love Hundley. <laughs> but they made the PBS series after this. They did. Yes, you're correct. Old tech alert with Ted's flip phone. Love that. <laughs> I love <laughs> I loved the line. Glorious day, Ted has problems. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just feel that way when, with certain people who just seem to have a perfect <laughs> life or who, like, I don't know, just never admit to anything going wrong in their life. You're like, oh, they're human, too. It's so great. Then I loved the lighting in the telephone booth, too. Oh, so beautiful. The firefly scene. Um, That's Godfather connection. Oh, my gosh. Another connection to another film. We can connect it to Strictly Ballroom because this too has the blue Danube in it, which Ooh. was the opening song of Strictly Ballroom. Also love a King Kong reference. And Bloomsbury, that's Dick Van Dyke's character, right? Yeah. He is savage to his own son. He's such a <laughs> he terrible so- father. You're like the son I never had. <laughs> yes, but I had you. <laughs> <laughs> he is like on the top 10 worst fathers list. Oh my gosh, but he's so funny. <laughs> and his son is the worst. Well, but yeah, because of this awful parenting, I can't really blame Junior. <laughs> I also like the, but now I've seen it. I don't really remember why I wrote that down, but that's a quote from it. Can you help me remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, are you talking about that. the New York cabbie that was like, Oh, that's totally what it is. <laughs> I love, I love that. Because <laughs> the whole film, you're like, oh, they're setting it up for him to have seen something he's never seen before and i like that it didn't just leave it as like now that's something i've never seen ha 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 i love that he's just like all right now i've seen it and leaves i thought that yeah. was a much better joke <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know why i love sparky so much but the way he just goes bark 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 and he goes sniff sniff <laughs> he's so cute you love a robot dog three things i kind of wanted to talk about are a broader discussion on children's media, animation style as a whole, and then ownership of artifacts. So you, you brought it up as well, but kind of this like, oh, it's a kid's film, and so it should be in like a different category. And I, I do agree, like, that there's obviously differences between this and like The Godfather or Life is Beautiful, you know, like different films for telling different stories, obviously. But I think a lot of the time... And I actually, you you brought up something where it's like, oh, it's meant for children, but there's stuff for the adults too. But they're not like crass, shocking jokes, which I feel like is in a lot of children's media of like this plot and everything is absolutely geared towards children. And then they have like a dirty joke that will fly over children's heads, but make adults laugh mostly because of the shock value versus what I would argue is family films which is something that, like, everybody can enjoy from all the young, like, children can watch it and, like, be entertained and engaged the whole time and they get a lot out of it. But adults watching it, too, can also gain a lot of insight and have, like, a deeper appreciation for it. And this is absolutely something that Walt Disney really strove to do and why, like, Snow White is kind of scary at at times and is not, like, totally a... You mean horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It's not totally a children's film. And I think... Disney over the years has done this to varying degrees of success and I think Pixar largely is very successful at creating a family film where kids can really enjoy it but also like adults are deeply impacted by what they watch as well. So I think sometimes the animation has so often been 
shifted as a children's media and therefore a lesser media. And there's a lot of discussion in like the film circles I'm in a little bit. And like just among my friends who like films now that I'm in all these different societies. <laughs> but I know the Academy. Say, you know, casually a part of that. Animation as a whole is very much disregarded and should be given more respect. So I'm glad you picked this film. And the, a lot of the people that watched it, a lot of our listeners, ranked it very highly. And I think probably Good. went in with low expectations. And we're pleasantly surprised at how how good it was. Yeah, I would I would posit this as more of a leaning to the family film side than just strictly children's film, where where I feel like and it's not entirely fair because I haven't seen a lot of these DreamWorks films, but I feel like a lot of DreamWorks films more lend themselves to being kids films or like geared for children. So anyway, a discussion for another time. But I also was reflecting on this is our third animated film in film club so one fourth of our film club was animated but they all are wildly different from each other like mm-hmm. stop motion animation versus watercolor animation versus this is it i think it's like a blend between 2d and, and cgi a little bit it's not quite as hand-drawn hand sketched yeah i mean all the things i was reading was about like this is the last traditionally animated film or whatever but of yeah, they had those 3D elements in it, so... Okay, okay, yeah. So, I don't know, I, I just speaking to that larger theme of animated films should not be discounted just because of their medium, in the same way that black and white films shouldn't be discounted because they look different than the films we're used to. So, hooray for animated films. The one last thing I wanted to talk about was this, um, the idea of ownership of artifacts, which often came up mostly in discussion in art history, which is about, you know, who owns artifacts and ancient art. And the debate, I feel, really centers on, like, who it rightfully belongs to, which is going to be the the cultures that created it, and that should be respected and not stolen. And then on the other hand of the debate, you see like more focus on the actual art itself and its preservation and like the London museums can they have the like governmental stability and funding to be able to preserve these artifacts whereas some of these other countries might have more political instability or not quite have the same ability to preserve artifacts and so should the British Museum conserve these artifacts until the original owners are ready to take them back and when is that and does the british museum now lay ownership so it gets messy and i think obviously like uh, conservation and preservation is key but also uh, how many how wrong are our attitudes towards these other countries like instead of just taking things to them could we help could there be some sort of branch of the british museum to help fund a museum in its original place or its culture so I don't know, there's not a lot of easy answers, and there's definitely a lot of residual colonialism inherent in these debates and discussions and practices. And 2006, like, it would have been nice if there had been some, like, there's absolutely no hesitation or discussion of bringing, like, if it's okay for them to bring the idol along. And I joke about it or anything. Yeah, and I wonder... Like, the whole time I was watching it and watching Edu, like, 
how like ah they're just taking that from him and he's okay with it I you know and there's another part of that debate of should we even remove artifacts from where they are originally to put into a museum at all and do we want to protect them versus do we want to try and enjoy them in the way that the artist originally intended them a very famous example being like Nike of Samothrace which was on a warship in like a part of a, a bigger sculpture over a body of water and so it had a much more majestic feel to it and now it's in the Louvre not overlooking a body of water and does that take away from like the original intent of it and but is it better that now it's preserved and more people can see it and enjoy it so there's just it's a very complicated debate and I think a lot of it isn't always just focused like we have to be careful when we're talking about it because there are going to be a lot of those attitudes that have carried down of which country is more prepared to own them and how is that how much of it is realistic and how much of it is imperialistic all right uh let's throw over to what our listeners had to say all right this is from Catherine. she said this was a fun film club pick at first i was a bit confused and thought it was a joke since it seemed like such a departure from the other films but it was a great change of pace and overall cute funny movie i'm a curious george fan because my son liked the tv show and he always carries a curious george stuffed animal around so it wasn't hard to warm up to the movie, and yes, he has watched it. I thought it moved along at a good pace, it had me laughing, and the music was enjoyable. I love the nods to the source material, the H.A. Ray ship, which is the name of the author, and a lot of the plot lines of the classic books being showcased, the balloons at the zoo, the paintings in the apartment, climbing the gigantic dinosaur skeleton. I thought the voice actors did a great job, too. My favorite part was when Ted was floating over the baseball field, and got hit with baseball. It was hilarious. I liked how they emphasized the importance of curiosity and experiencing things for yourself. <laughs> I also love that baseball part. <laughs> it just zooms in on him and it says, boo. <laughs> okay, George said, this was a good post-Thanksgiving dinner film, a lighthearted, sunny movie that I didn't have to think too deeply about. At first, I thought how spoiled I was by Studio Ghibli's incredible animation compared to CG, then realized that the filmmakers were trying to capture the 2D drawings with simple colors and shapes from the book and was pleased with that approach. Um, George, of course, is adorable. I like the ship being named H.A. Ray after one of the authors, of course. I like the message of doing and experiencing rather than just studying and hearing facts. And there's no time to waste, but share this love with everyone from the opening song. And that the music museum became an exploratorium of hands-on discovery. Also, the bananas. <laughs> um, criticism is removing or stealing the lost shrine, and by calling it a shrine, it implies that it is sacred from its native African site to a museum in New York City, and that being okay, which of course it is not. Excellent, excellent. Here is a review from Deb. Curious George is a delight. I love the Jack Johnson music. I also loved when he was over the baseball stadium the most. That made me laugh out loud. And then Jill said, I think my first experience watching Curious George on film was the really old stop motion animated shorts that our family loved. So when this movie originally came out, we had pretty high expectations and were pleasantly surprised. Watching it again did not disappoint. I love the Jack Johnson music and the voices of the characters. Dick Van Dyke is always great. The story is fun and entertaining for kids and adults and has some great nods to the original books. It was fun to see some backstory for the yellow suit and how George and Ted meet. I'm always uncomfortable in movies when an animal causes chaos and mayhem, and there were a few moments of that in this movie, but overall, a solid movie for all ages. Yay. Some favorite scenes, surprisingly. 
to nobody when Ted gets hit with a baseball in the butt. (laughs) Never heard that one before. (laughs) George painting the other animals. When they find the real lost idol of Zagawa, it is so happy. Oh, I think it was. I'm so happy that he was able to save the museum. Um, did you have a favorite scene? I it's when they're in, with the balloons and he saves mm, Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think I think I have to go with the very opening scene when he's it has like some of these Tarzan vibes, but no, I just love the the music and the lighting and all the ways that he interacts with the animals. Mm-hmm. favorite character two people said curious george someone said ted do you have a favorite character um oh my gosh how do i choose <laughs> i'll just say mr bloomsbury to be different from everyone else <laughs> You're like i have to say junior no i probably would say curious george as well even though ted is so hot um okay Two people ranked it six, and someone ranked it number 11. But two people gave it four stars, and someone gave it three stars. So still very highly rated. Awesome. Well, we only have one film club left, which is so exciting that we have made it all the way through a year. Um, But until then, we've got to leave the gun. Take the cannoli. That was a bit of a rough transition, but we're going with it. I was like, um, cannoli question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I was. It's fine. Um, so I'll go first because I think you went first last time. Um, so if George were to paint your room, what would you want his muse to be? Um, the stars in space. Mm. What would be your outfit color? Oh my gosh. That was another one of my questions, so I'm gonna have to change it. Um, I mean, I feel like it's a little too cliche to say green because just because it's my favorite color, but there are so many different variants of green. But can't go black because that's too emo. But that's usually what I wear. What color I end up wearing? Woman in the black hat. <laughs> it's too close to woman in black. Too murderous. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll go with green. I'll be boring. You have a signature monochromatic outfit as well, but instead of picking the color, since he's the man with the yellow hat, you would be the woman with the colored what? Like, what would be your your signature outfit piece? Oh, probably boots. <laughs> I like your boots. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of different exhibits at the end, like one's rock climbing and they have dinosaur digging. One that makes you look big. What would you want your exhibit to be about? Ooh, it would definitely have historical costumes, and you could dress up in whatever time period you wanted. And then you would read all of the positive and most of the negative things that happened in that time period. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a Godfather switch for you. Sunny instead of Ted. How would the movie play out differently? George might have died. <laughs> There would have been a lot more swear words. <laughs> <laughs> well, just elf. <laughs> it's true. A lot of elf. That Will Ferrell connections stay strong. Rest in peace, um, James. So the boat is called H.A. Ray, after the original author. What would you name your boat? Hmm. Hmm. I have to do my best brain impersonation. 
do I go after my famous author? I mean, my favorite famous author. <laughs> you have a famous author? <laughs> Yee. I don't know why I'm, this is so hard for me. Oh, I'll do R. Serling. Oh, good one. Then we had a few only questions from the listeners. Uh, Ted is very disappointed by the idol's size. When has something you anticipated greatly been a letdown? It's a real stumper. <laughs> I know. So I feel like there have been real... I want to think of, like, a really good one. Um, I guess most recently, I, like, ordered a little magnet of X-Files from Redbubble. And it's cute. It's like a collage of a whole bunch of pictures of Fox Mulder, and he's so cute. Oh my but- gosh. It was only like one inch tall. <laughs> I didn't, which is literally what happens in the movie. But I thought I was going to be at least like two, like right. two by one, so I could yeah. see his face better. <laughs> you but have to use a magnifying like, glass. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think there's Fox Mulder in there. Oh, I feel like in 30 minutes, I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's a much better <laughs> answer. Uh, I'll just do something kind of stupid. I feel like I had high hopes for the weekend haunted house at Horror Nights, and it was just oh really? Yeah, I mean it was cool, but it was in the same space as the Haunting of Hill House, and so already I was like, "Hmm, there's a house." (laughs) You like the weekend? Uh, no. Like, I mean, it's fine, but I know blinding lights, and that's probably it. But they also it was very loud and a lot of strobe, which I don't love, and this. They had this like hall of mirrors that could have been executed so well, but they didn't have any scares in that, so it was like disappointing. Aww. But then at the very end, they would have like somebody was a part of the wall and they would come out, and that was fun. That was the best part of the house. But anyway, a dumb answer, but there you go, an answer, so I don't make <laughs> us sit here in silence. <laughs> if Vito Corleone had a pet monkey instead of a cat, what would he name it? <sighs> Bonacera. <laughs> What would, no, um, he, would you name it Jenko after his OG conciliary? He could. I feel like he would more likely name it. Oh, he would name it after died. Oh, rest in peace. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. I'll, I'll beep out the name. <laughs> <laughs> Which of Vito's children could relate most to Junior in his relationship with Mr. Bloomsbury? <laughs> Fredo! Fredo! <laughs> Poor Fredo. Oh my gosh, that's such a good comparison. It huh? really is. If Fredo I only had a uh, ponytail and glasses. Just imagine him saying to Tom, you're like the son I never had. <laughs> I am well, smart. <laughs> well, I had you. Do you think that when George dies, that Ted will hold a funeral like Norma Desmond or be a little bit relieved? Oh, so sad. <laughs> I hate that question. <laughs> you can thank your own George mother for that. Die. George oh, is immortal. Die. George outlives Ted. <laughs> Not like Norma does. I don't know. I feel like Ted kind of cracks. He might full in spiral when George, if George dies. I don't think he'd just have a regular old funeral. And that is it for the cannoli question. So, Lauren, thank you for picking this film. We do have our final film club pick for 2022, and it is going to be The Freshman, as previously announced on the Instagram page. So follow our Instagram if you are not already, if you want to get the sneak peeks into when I fall behind on editing. 
<laughs> but until then, here's to our buddyship. And don't forget to let your curiosity lead you. That was Film Club. Thank you.